Concerns about seismic activity at the Indian Point nuclear power plant have made headlines this week, but some other issues have also been raised in the debate over whether the Nuclear Regulatory Commission should renew the plant's license. And one of those is the water that comes out of the plant into the Hudson River. We're joined now by WNYC senior reporter Bob Henley. Welcome back to our show. Thanks for having me. And as I understand it, your first, the first story you ever covered as a print reporter was related to Indian Point? Exactly. Ramsey Maher reporter in the 1970s, standing on Route 17, uh, covering a group of protesters who wanted to make it um, difficult for the transportation of radioactive waste, which they said would help and lead to the shutdown of Indian Point. And that was 79, you said? 70, say? yeah. So that's a long time ago. <laughs> uh, it keeps on coming up for a license renewal, and it's up for another 20-year renewal. Has the Nuclear Regulatory Commission largely signed off on that renewal? There are two technical reviews which are important to look at, which are done internally. One is about the plant stability and the scientific review, which have received a thumbs up. We are now in the middle of what's referred to as a public comment period where people can weigh in and bring facts to the table. Now, those public comment periods, as, as I understand them, are kind of nice. It allows people to scream and rant. But in the end, uh, the commissioners decide what they want to com- decide. The thing here is that you do have in the no camp uh, against renewal uh, no less a person than Andrew Cuomo, the governor, and the attorney general, Eric Schneiderman. Also, there's been a whole procedural history which has been really undercovered, which is the state DEC, Department of Environmental Conservation, pretty much giving Indian Point a really hard time. In 2003, uh, Indian Point brings them some two half billion gallons of water off the Hudson so it can cool its systems down and then discharges it considerably warmer than it brings it in. Environmentalists say 90 to 100 degrees, which is thermal pollution. And so the uh, DEC asked for them to create cooling towers, if you will, to try to minimize their impact on the aquatic life. At this point, uh, Entergy, the plant's owner, has refused to do that. They have uh, they said it would be a $2 billion solution to a non-problem, and they have countered with the $200 million micro-screen uh, solution that would be on the intakes that take the river water in that would prevent uh, aquatic life from being sucked in to the plant. Well, does it really kill off uh, the aquatic life? I would assume that the all, no matter how hot the water, it would dissipate as it moves into the great body, greater this is body a point, of the Hudson. As you can imagine, this is a point of great debate. Uh, Indian Point Energy says they have 25 years, $50 million of research that says there is no impact. The Hudson Riverkeeper says they have uh, contrary information. And in this case, the DEC is siding with the environmentalists. Moreover, uh, Indian Point has had um, issues in the past where they've had um, uh, radioactive leaks that came from Indian Point 1, which has been shuttered, and uh, and then also from Indian Point 2, which uh, at some point migrated from a groundwater problem into the Hudson. The energy folks say and the NRC says that it's a de minimis thing that's been remediated. The environmentalists say it's too great a risk to play. So th- all this was playing out. And in essence, here's the bottom line. Uh, energy Indian Point must have this clean water certificate that was turned down in 2010, because that's another thing DEC did just last year, was turn down this clean water application they must have to get this NRC relicensing. So if, if this is not resolved, will the, the plant be shut down until it's resolved? Well, this is a, a deal breaker. I mean, it's something in the case of Indian Point 2, 2013, the license lapses, 2015, Indian Point 3. It's certainly a far more of a, a migraine headache for energy than the question of seismic, uh, uh, you know, 
Well, well, the governor's father was an opponent of nuclear power in New York because of uh, evacuation plans. Particularly, this is always very site-specific, Shoreham. And he was concerned that in the case, if that Long Island plant was to open, that he couldn't evacuate the population. So back then, in 1989, he had the prerogative as the governor, as being the chief public safety officer, to say, I can't certify this plant. Subsequently, the NRC and FEMA have taken over that prerogative from governors. So now all that's left really for... Uh, for governors and states that don't want to go along with particular atomic power plant siting is this water remedy. And uh, we have uh, we do have concerns expressed by the fact that the plant is just 35 miles from New York City. Uh, we were told uh, that uh, you need at least 50 miles uh, in Japan. And uh, we, we have listeners who are wondering about uh, the impact uh, anything might happen on uh, if, if there were any kind of problem on the New Croton Reservoir, which is even closer. Uh, well, That's our course, water supply. We asked these questions and had a piece on this about this this morning. Uh, the For the purpose of individuals who want to stay informed on this, there is an EPA website called RADNET, R-A-D-N-E-T, that you can go to and get real-time information on monitors across the country. And, for instance, they have monitors in Hawaii, and they did show some uptick in, in radiation. They said that it's no, nothing to be worried about. But there is that in place. And also the, uh, the uh, Indian Point people have to have on-site and in-community monitors of potential radiation migrating off. And also the DEP itself that runs the reservoirs have 170 officers that have handheld radiation device detectors. Now, But Riverkeeper says that they found radioactive water right. leaking out of the plant. Well, that was uh, into the Hudson. This is a case of migration to the Hudson. We're talking about an ambient air issue in the Croton where it could potentially, if something was to happen, uh, be through. So there are a lot of different things that could go wrong. It's clear that the siting of the plant, uh, looking as what we know today, uh, is is far more problematic because of the development patterns that have happened. And here's a good example. This is the problem with atomic energy in general. In order to do it, particularly because we have no long-term waste solution, we are keeping all of these spent fuel rods on site, which has been the real problem in the Fukushima plant, and we have no resolution in in, um, in Yucca Mountain because in that case, uh, that's the plant the government had committed to. It's a, a cavernous area in Nevada that the U.S. government spent billions to study. Uh, during the run-up to the presidential election, there was a primary in Nevada. Uh, Then-candidate Obama said that he did not want to see it renewed. And so we're in this position where this stuff is kept on site. And so we have to certify that we know that these facilities won't go through any changes for thousands of years. And here's the problem. Places like Lamont Darty doing excellent research keep helping us reinvent what we know about the earth. So in the time that Indian Point has been licensed, Lamont Darty has learned an encyclopedia worth of information about just how unstable our seismic subsurface is. Are the reactors at Indian Point similar to the GE reactors that uh, are at the Fukushima Daiichi plant? No. This is a special class referred to as... Um, these are the GE Mach 1 boiling water reactors. New Jersey has uh, two. Oyster Creek, which was just relicensed, is one of them. New York State, upstate, there's a couple. Uh, in Indian Point, it's the pressurized water reactor, which does not have design issues that are, you know, at the time even is before. Is it better? Well, it, it, back in when these, uh, when the Mach 1 was uh, put uh, first put forward, the Times did great reporting on this, there were internal technical people within the Atomic Energy Commission, the precursor to the NRC, who said it shouldn't be licensed and that they were concerned. See, it was kind of marketed as more cost-effective or cheaper because it didn't have the same thick containment. 
um, now that's being called into question. How much leverage uh, uh, do state governments have in decisions about the future of nuclear power? Is this something that's become federalized? Well, to a large degree. I'll give you an example, though, of the real politic of it. Uh, in Oyster Creek, we had a situation, the oldest plant in the United States in 1969 on the, down there in the Jersey Shore. It was a situation where um, Governor Corzine, as he was leaving, sided with environmentalists. Oyster Creek was being relicensed. It was a big deal because it became a national issue because it was the oldest plant. And the NRC hasn't licensed new plants but, but has been relicensing plants pretty readily. So at this point, Corzine agrees with environmentalists and says, listen, um, you're excellent. You're going to have to build uh, these cooling towers. And they say, Exxon says, oh, that's, a, that's hundreds of millions of dollars. We're going to pass. Governor Christie comes in. There's a lot of lobbying that goes on, high-priced lobbying, and they kind of split the difference. The state environmentalists stay, uh, the regulators stand by their decision. And then what they end up doing is saying, okay, listen, your license to go to 2029 will split the difference. You close shop at 2019, and you don't have to build the cooling towers. Bob, we have 45 seconds left. Uh, <clears throat> Mayor Bloomberg is still supporting the Indian Point plant because 25% of the city's uh, power comes from Indian Point? Yeah, and there's a, good argue, there's a good piece in the Wall Street Journal about the challenge of replacing that 2,100 uh, megawatts. And Governor Cuomo says it can be done. In energy experts and hard-headed business types say you're going to have to go a long way to have wind power do that. And that's what it would be, wind? Well, wind would we, power. Would we import it from grid. Quebec like we have Well, the there's past? a combination of things. But the, the bottom line is we're plugging everything in, our cell phones, everything. So the city to thrive and be sustainable needs juice. WMIC's senior reporter, Bob Henley, thank you so much for looking into the story. And thank you so much for being on our show today. Thanks for having me.